Hi everyone, it's Adam from Monkey Tennis here, just saying a huge thank you to all of you that have supported my charity appeal uh, so far. For those that haven't heard about it, this September I'm going to be swimming uh, 15 kilometres uh, between five islands in Cornwall. Uh, I'll be swimming the Isles of Scilly, that's Scilly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. Um, I'm doing it because I want to, but also to raise money for Calm, the campaign against living miserably. It's a well-known statistic that 125 people in the UK die by suicide every week, and Calm run a free and confidential helpline for people to speak through their problems and ultimately to help prevent suicides. Um, I'm looking to raise enough money to train two new phone workers um, to man those lines um, and I'll be doing it by swimming the Isles of Scilly in Cornwall. Um, if you're looking to support me, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, you can donate at justgiving.com. Um, just go there and search for Adam Swim Silly. That's Adam Swim Silly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. All donations greatly appreciated. Thank you for helping me to support Calm. And now, on with monkey tennis. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Monkey tennis? Well, uh, this is great banter. Hot, 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 Monkey tennis? Radical. Awesome. Mega. Are you on an E? Monkey tennis? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm spinning plates here, mate, I'll be honest. Monkey tennis? There have been times when I've been more uh, rubbery than turtle. Monkey tennis? Tits bits. Tit, tit bits. Uh, yes, 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 and yes. It's just an idiom. You're an idiot. Ooh, that's mustard. Monkey tennis? Sustaining and maintaining our core listenership in an increasingly fragmented marketplace. Super Talk! Brought to you by Ginster's Pasties. Willkommen, bienvenue, hello, and welcome to Monkey <laughs> Tennis, the Alan Partridge fan podcast. I'm Adam Brooks, and I'm joined by Tom Dark. Look at what this idiot did in America. Nick Older. Partridge, you wanker! And Tom Stab. You hairy Mary. <laughs> so, uh, we're into the second part of our little reintroduction uh, in 2018 to the world of Adam Partridge. Um, going through some feedback from you, the listener, uh, and also talking about some of the uh, big Partridge events of 2017. Uh, namely, the documentary went out, and also uh, our live show, very important. Uh, and looking forward to Partridge in 2018 with some more wild speculation about the uh, new Alan series to come. Uh, but first, over to Nick. So, Neil Gibbons, who is one of the writers with his brother, 
Rob Gibbons um, of Alan Partridge, I guess in its modern day form, mm-hmm. uh, tweeted a picture of the script for the upcoming BBC show, which will be airing, we think, at some point later this year. We then posted on Twitter asking you, the listeners, to speculate on what this show is going to be called. Hello, everyone. Nick here. Just a quick interjection to say that as we recorded this show about four or five weeks ago, we didn't realise what we know now. Uh, that is, the new Alan Partridge show on the BBC will be called This Time with Alan Partridge. So just a quick note to cover the fact that we are about to um, discuss, debate and speculate on what that show might be called. Um, hopefully that explains it and on with the show. What we're going to do now is a quick fire uh, round the table list of all the things that you have sent us uh, in terms of titles for the show. So I'm going to start with Ben Leach, who says, My money is on Alan Partridge's Brexit Britain. Ash Mead, Alan Partridge's show by Alan Partridge. Dom Risk says, Alan Partridge's hard exit. Barbara Kirk says, Alan Partridge's road to Brexit. Sean Chambers says, Brexit masturbate. Mikey Hogarth, Scissor Isle, retroactively turning a one-off into a series. Steve Hales says Alan Partridge's last aha Matthew Taylor says Alan Partridge's big plate Nick Wells says Alan Partridge's top draw Julian Tallock Alan Partridge's second series Jonathan Marlowe Alan Partridge's ladyboy adventure Stan Semple says Alan Partridge's A to Z of Britain Quentin Soldan says Alan Partridge's hard Brexit Tom Faulkner Alan Partridge's mid-moaning platters Alan Partridge and Jet from Gladiators tour the UK seeking out the mediocre in all things culinary john denman says who cares that woeful film ruined an already long in the tooth comedy character he was bloody funny back in the day shame it was so long ago do something new steve and ben may says i for one hope they're bringing back bullseye with alan in jim bowen's shoes michael could take over for the always enigmatic tony green they are some uh, i would say if we're, if we're picking favorites i like the idea of mid-moaning platters with uh, jet from gladiator on a culinary <laughs> tour with alan I think that what, is what i like is that he's fleshed out the detail that's yeah. really the, good the pun alone is strong but the concept is watertight <laughs> uh, Whereas with Alan, it's kind of the other way around normally, isn't it? Yes, <laughs> the concept very yes, very good. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. There's obviously a lot of uh, Brexit ideas there. So, yeah, when uh, Neil Gibbons tweeted the top of the script, so it said Alan Partridge's, and then it's, the words are blanked out, so we don't know even if it's two words, three words, whatever. I personally quite favour Alan Partridge's show by Alan Partridge, or, <laughs> or really it should be Alan's show. Yeah, I think we also have to give minus points to Sean Chambers, who's just suggested Brexit masturbate, and hasn't included... Alan Partridge's which is the bit you could read on the script so uh, I <laughs> don't know how you've missed that um, should we wildly speculate a little bit about this show the, the impression that I get because there's been talk about it being part of Brexit not part of Brexit we, we've gone on about that quite a bit already I, oh, and, and I have seen Neil Gibbons tweet that it is not a show about Brexit I, I think people are getting a bit sick of it I, I think the Brexit thing is obvious and wouldn't actually be that funny I suspect what it is is that they are talking mainly about how the BBC would come to re-employ Alan yeah. and they're obviously yeah. saying and the context of that makes perfect sense yeah and so they're basically I, I imagine that the scenario is this that the BBC is, is accused of left-wing bias as it yeah. often is yeah. and then they've basically had to get him back as the only person who's available in as a kind of sort of Farage-like figure to provide quote-unquote balance. balance yeah yeah mm. yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, which make, which makes sense. But uh, yeah, it's, it's and I think we did talk about this on a previous episode. That it's basically that one quote from Coogan in the New Economist or whatever it was called is basically yep. been taken totally out of context. And if if I was to speculate, no, the New European, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, if I was to speculate as to what the title's going to be, I don't know the exact wording, but I think it'll be Alan Partridge's, and then it will be another bastardization like Scissordile was to Septodile. Mm. Yeah, it'll be something that is kind of you know a, maybe a bit lofty or but but is is basically getting a well known phrase wrong. I mean, it really depends 
what kind of format the show follows that would obviously like if we knew more about that that would probably give some indications mm. about the title because for example when coogan was on the one show saying oh it's going to be a show not dissimilar to this which interestingly is what simon greenall said when mm. he uh, was at our live show but i did wonder whether simon's saying that just based off seeing steve on the one show like just watching him on telly i, don't I, know. I did get the impression yeah. that he, he wasn't necessarily privy to uh, inside yeah. info yeah, yeah. it was it was his guess rather than his yes. uh, his knowledge i'd like to see something a little bit along the lines of what they've done with w1a and 2012 sort of like a mock documentary about alan being back on the bbc after so many years away i think that could mm-hmm. work uh, I've said it before on the pod yeah. as well, but I'd, I'd love to see a mixture of Alan in front of and behind the camera. Yes. So you kind of get... you what get the, the example you gave? The Larry Sanders uh, yeah, yeah. show. So, so you, you kind of get the cream of, of I'm Alan Partridge mixed with the cream of No Me Knowing You yeah. in one show. Yeah, that, that, that would be perfect, wouldn't it? And it also that would give you the option to get characters like back. Sidekick Simon or Michael if he's mm. back from the dead. You know, you could get those in there in like the kind of... Bottom, behind the camera moments I think well. we'd all like to see more Lynn and uh, and mm. Michael back on the back more on Lynn, screen more, I mean imagine Lynn Michael and sidekick Simon with Alan in a room all, oh. all vying for his attention <laughs> yes. and love yeah. <laughs> a couple of other people uh, tweeted us their hopes for the new series uh, Andy Godwin said he'd love to see him as a presenter on Top Gear so he's hoping for a car themed show uh, and John Ratton says I think a series about Alan being a UKIP councillor and then trying to get elected and subsequently failing as an MP would be absolutely like aged. a sort of Farage character yeah. always yeah. Yeah. back yeah. That'd be a bit too bleak almost. I, and also, I think... Alan is pretty tragic. I think it would be funnier mm, yeah. if, he, if he ran as an independent, personally. I think there's yes, more humour the partridge be, party. Yeah, <laughs> the, exactly. the, the, the partridge part, party. A party amongst the partridge. pigeons. Partridge. Okay. I quite, I we'll quite, come back to that. I quite like Andy's suggestion about the Top Gear thing, but more as like a skit within an actual bigger, wider show. Like and again, little, if, it, if it was something like the one show, then you've actually you've got a lot of... The, 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 with that format, you can kind of do anything. Mm, could vary week to you week. You could have a Simon or a Michael as a roving reporter to doing Vox Pops amazing like you could have Alan doing Wouldn't regular watch. car segments yeah. could be a lot of fun next up we go to emails from listeners and the first one is from Tim Lake he says hi Nick Adam and the Toms following the recent series whoa, whoa, whoa. Of... why does Nick get top billing there you did, point that, earlier, did you? did point that out I did point that out and you guys <laughs> Thanks, have been Tim. given a compound name like a married yeah. couple yeah Tim, I'm not happy about that whatsoever. What are you right. doing tonight? I'm going around to the Toms for a game of whist. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let me start. Hi, the Toms, Adam and Nick. Following better. The... <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, it's off. getting better. <laughs> uh, no mention of Jed, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not even mentioned. He's never mentioned in any of the correspondence, <laughs> is he? There's no Jed fans out there. Please, Jed, please Jed fans, if yeah. you're out there, please get in touch. No, I don't want to hear from Jed fans. I do. No, the they're not going to be right in Here's what I think, here's what <laughs> I think we should <laughs> <laughs> Here's what I think we should do for Jed. People should uh, write in with their scenarios. For example, you're uh, trapped on a desert island and you've only got a bowl of pudding. Uh, and then and then Jed will give a word based on the scenarios that people write in. Or they could contact us via the medium of one word only. Ah, yes, very good. good. Yes, like one it. word tweets. Right, back to Tim Lake's email. Following the recent series on iPartridge, I've been thinking about the characters in the Partriverse. Obvi- oh, I like that. I like that yeah, a lot. That's good, that's good. Obviously, the writing across all of the oeuvre is fantastic and gives even the minor characters enough depth to make them interesting and avoids the shallow cartoon villain. Apart from maybe like Dave Clifton, is he? I guess he's not cartoony, but Finish he is. Finish the email. Yeah. All right, fair enough. That said, who do you think is the least likable character across all of the shows, books, and film? 
My first inclination is Danny Sinclair in Alpha Papa, who certainly comes across as a dick, but we also don't really know much about him. Ben in I'm Alan Partridge is pretty smug, but actually seems like a decent guy who just likes pushing Alan's buttons. I'm inclined to say it's Alan himself. Although he has plenty of moments when you feel sorry for him or side with him, we also see his motivations very clearly, especially in I, Partridge, and they are always self-serving. Anyway, enough from me. Thanks for the cracking podcast and the live show this week, which we attended and very much enjoyed. Brackets, Mr. Greenall was fantastic. All the best, Tim. Oh, lovely email. Thanks, lovely Tim. email. Yep. Thanks, Tim. Um, it's tricky, isn't it? Because, yeah, you see the most of Alan. Alan's consistently mm. uh, a dick. I would say if I'm... Pi- I mean, we've talked about Danny Sinclair versus Ben before. I think Danny Sinclair is worse. Um, oh, 100%. But I think... 100%. I, think but then I, I think to call Danny Sinclair a villain is kind of too grandiose. Yeah, I just think he's no, a bit of an is, idiot, isn't he? There isn't any villains, I don't think. But well. Danny Sinclair... Oh. Hang on. I don't know. I think I guess so. I think if you're talking about people who are morally reprehensible, uh, Greg, the station manager in Alpha Papa, he's yes. got to be up there. He's it's, just, it's the people that come in from shape, if anything, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, a horrendous coward but who, who leaves women to die. Yeah. They're, they're all in, <laughs> well, Greg. They're, they're all in Alpha Papa, though. Is is what we're kind of saying. Like, yeah, it's it's certainly rich in shits, isn't it? I mean, yeah. I th- I, th- I think Tim probably is right that I mean that. In a way, Alan almost is the least likable, but like you say, that he's the character we he's see just, the most of, so that's what's going to happen. Next email from Joe Cooper. He says, uh, hey guys, uh, I'm new to monkey tennis, like literally the last few days and loving it. Uh, thanks very much, Joe. Um, he says, I used to be in a semi-popular band called Cooper, who I actually do vaguely remember. Sorry, Joe, I've not heard of nope. him. I mean, he does say semi-popular. So, uh, <laughs> uh, One of four. We used to do warm-up and secret gigs as Cockpiss Partridge, which I... I mean, <laughs> you say semi-popular, but I suppose if you if you have to have a secret name for your warm-up gigs, you must have been a, a, a relatively big deal. Good point. Um, we had an intro track not dissimilar to yours in the States. They just thought we were strange. <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm sure you're inundated with emails and people pointing to bits, etc., but I'm going to be a complete dick and add to it feel free joe feel free he says the one thing i noticed from episode one and that's some pretty shoddy camera work uh, see the attached images that he, he sent to us we'll put them on the socials and you can see another camera in shot at one point and what appears to be a finger covering the top <laughs> corner of the lens on another uh, my other comment is that uh, you guys mentioned that alan has changed his own name on his car which was strange uh, this is because it was Michael who did it. He says outside the lift that he'll he'll do a quick fix for now. Oh yeah, changing yeah, he's it right, yeah. to Cook Pass Babbage. Yes, um, and I can't tell if it's just Michael being funny or if he genuinely believes Partridge is a swear <laughs> word. <laughs> um, my only other comment thus far is on episode two of I'm Alan Partridge with regards to the continuity error. I don't think it is one when Alan mentions brackets lies that they've got a second series. All the staff go over to the corner and start putting all the party hats etc on. Yeah, but they 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 put them on in a matter of about half a second. <laughs> I still think it's sloppy editing. Mm. Uh, uh, other yeah. than that, it really is first class. Bash your ass, Joe. Bash, oh. it, bash it right back, Joe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thanks a lot, Joe. We have another email in from Richard Attley, and I think this is another one of our balls ups. Basically, <laughs> uh, I think uh, in a previous episode we talked about were we sure that Alan's that, that Alan's wife Carol, uh, whether she definitely got the house. Uh, Richard emails the following to us: How do we know Alan's wife gets the house? The immersion heater phone call. So what he's done, he's answered his own question there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, what I also like is that he's, that's all he put in the email. So he's basically written us an email in the format of a Christmas cracker joke. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's question, it's answer, it's done. Uh, next up, we have an email from Neo who says, I've got a theory. In the third episode of I'm Alan Partridge Series 1, Chris Morris stars as a farmer on Alan's show. And Alan used to work with Chris Morris on the day-to-day. My theory is that Chris Morris from the day-to-day went on Alan's radio show to test him. It might sound stupid and there's no evidence to prove it, but that's my theory. Mm. Mm. Uh, yes, it does. No, there isn't. And thanks anyway. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and next we come to bombshells and we have three crackers from mighty blackout who emails us and says uh, hi gents the audiobook is one of my go-to choices when i'm out of podcasts and on the move so i've listened to it an unhealthy number of times the best part being of course that there's usually something new to be found in each pass um and he goes on to list a few points uh and it's he starts with uh in chapter 30 classic house alan briefly mentions a liaison with a former employee now obviously that is probably a reference to his uh, tryst with Jill. Um, he says that uh, Sonia was responsible for awakening my dormant libido and made it do press ups. And to be clear, this is Alan, not you. This is Alan, yep. not me. Okay. Yeah, yep. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, uh, apart from a truly distasteful dalliance with a member of staff years earlier, she still sends me Christmas cards with glitter glued onto a picture of our Lord with a sort of ready breath glow around him. And inside the inscription says, For us unto this day a child is born. Now, this is back to me now. End of quote. Back to you. In fact, okay. to me. Now, bearing in mind. Uh, well, actually, back to black. Uh, back, back to, to mighty blackout. blackout. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, correct. Uh, now, bearing in mind what we see, uh, Alan Partridge obviously wasn't a fly on the wall documentary. And uh, is this an implication that Jill went on to have Alan's baby? <gasps> yes. Uh, and is dropping yearly hints to Alan that he hasn't realised it yet. Wow. That is a colossal bombshell, and I think there is a lot of weight to it. Yeah, and obviously, uh, as we know, Alan says that during the Lights Out sequence, <laughs> sorry, he says that he has no sheath, so he is going... Yeah. <laughs> he's going bareback. Um, also, going, going into <laughs> extensive detail, Mighty Blackout goes on to say, uh, and his suggestion that Jill may be post-menopausal is derailed before she feels like she could answer. I mean... I would have thought it was a relatively safe bet, but yeah. stranger things have happened. Yeah, I also like, they weren't at it for very long, admittedly, but maybe the moose interruption wasn't the only premature thing happening there. Ooh. So <laughs> basically, that is a brilliant theory, isn't it? Uh, yeah, well, there's even more to it looking through this email. Uh, if you figure that their dalliance took place on Valentine's Day, which we know that mm-hmm, it did, mm-hmm. the birthday from a conception then would be around the first couple of weeks of November. Not too unreasonable a time for a Christmas card to arrive at Alan's mm, house. The plot does men- thicken. He mentions cards plural and it sounds like he's being sent the same image and message every year which isn't normal behavior mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. and all, <laughs> there's even more to this theory <laughs> um is the glued on glitter a hint that his child may have helped with the card uh, <laughs> <laughs> i mean that that is a dynamite theory yeah. it actually like it all it pulls it together, holds up it holds yeah, up yeah. Yeah. The, not the partridge to, maths work not to mention forensic levels of detail <laughs> yeah <laughs> quite um, impressive so but the bombshells continue uh, point two, he says, in relation to your recent observation that Alan is an unreliable narrator, I Partridge has this to say about his parents from chapter 29. Uh, I'll switch into Alan now. In recent years, I've been to the send-offs of Tony Hares, Chris Feather, Mum and Dad, and the racist mother of the woman who works for me. The first and worst death of the lot was Mum's. With Dad in no fit state to do anything, I agreed to say a few words at the service. Uh, what's the uh, the guy who wrote this in? Major Blackout? Mate, yep. Mighty Blackout. Mighty Mighty blackout. blackout. Uh, he continues... That's all fine until you read this in Nomad from chapter two. Obviously, we, we, we're yet to cover Nomad, mm-hmm. but we'll dip in for the purposes of this bombshell. Alan's voice again. It's 20th of February, 1995. I'm standing at a graveside, the wind whistling through my hair like a wind whistle. My father died on 15th of February and has now been buried. My mother tuts and looks away. So, back to Mighty Blackout. In one book, his mum died first. Then in another recollection, recollection, it was his dad. With the Gibbons encyclopedia and timeline, it's inconceivable that this is a slip-up, surely. Is this a subtle time-delayed joke to remind the audience that Alan's memory and or point of view shouldn't be trusted? Uh, I genuinely think this, a slip up. this could be a writer's, yeah, a writer's I think error. so as well. I think it's too meta, isn't it? Or, or just too... 
Well, I, I get that. Well, again, the whole thing is we'll never know for sure um, mm-hmm. unless if the Gibbons brothers want to come on the show. But mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it, it could you could read this either way. It's, it can be an unreliable narrator thing, or it could just be they've ballsed up the timeline. It's it's hard to be certain. And uh, I think Mighty Blackout went on with one more uh, point as well, which ties into the unreliable carpet narration as well. Us with <laughs> yeah, it, it will not stop. A carpet bombing is a somewhat appropriate choice of words in a way. Uh, the next point here is that um, we are on to Alan doing hospital radio uh, at St. Luke's. So he's starting a show saying, good morning, St. Luke's, in the style of good morning, Vietnam. Good Morning Vietnam was released in 1987. So Alan says about this time, he spent 94 wonderful months behind the mic at St. Luke's, but by autumn 1983, like most of the patients on the wing, his days were numbered. So going through Alan's words, he's left that radio station in 83. What year was Good Morning Vietnam released? 1987. Oops. What? So is it an unreliable narrator? Is it a writer's balls up? That, we do not know. That seems like a like a, an oversight. Yeah, and that's probably the least minor of all of them. Let's focus on, basically, Jill is the mother of Alan's child. That's what we've taken away from this. So maybe the new series could be Alan meeting his new child and Jill being the mother. Oh, brilliant. Imagine that. Great. That kid would be, what, like 15, 16 by now, roughly? Uh, 16. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Perfect, perfect time. That is perfect. To reintroduce him. Oh, imagine if. Be like uncle, if. wouldn't it? And he'd get a fight. He'd get a second go at all of the uh, all of the things he failed at with uh, Fernando and Denise. <laughs> so whilst we're um, talking about matters of the Alan timeline, so actually no, they wouldn't be sixteen because that was I'm Alan Partridge series one, which was ninety seven. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So that actually means they would be turning 21 this year, the big which two ties one. in nicely to the next thing we were going to talk about. So last year, 2017, marked 20 years of I'm Alan Partridge Series 1. So we took to our socials to ask you for your favourite quotes from that series, seminal series. And 
head and shoulders above the rest. Smell my cheesy mother was the most mentioned <laughs> out of anything. A cheese I'm a, landslide. Yeah, uh, I'm a little bit disappointed it wasn't monkey tennis, but we won't be bitter bastards about that. But, uh, I mean, you could have just played to an easy crowd there. Could it also have been a, su- a, a subconscious thing because it was Christmas and there was probably a lot of cheese around? A lot of around. cheese around, yeah. yeah, very good point. Um, but yeah, at Christmas time, uh, at the end of t- 2017, that actually marked 25 years of Alan the character yes. and the BBC Two documentary what was it called? Whom, what, why, where, when? Something like that? Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something along those lines. Um, yeah, we obviously all watched it. We uh, were live tweeting along. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to pass mm-hmm. to Nick, who's got the highlights of uh, some activity around the documentary. Okay, so I'm going to talk you through some of the highlights of the documentary feedback which came into us via Twitter. So um, first up was a poll. Um, oh God, uh, not, one, not another one of Nick's polls, was l- it? Luckily, I don't think Nick set this one up. I wasn't, so it's fine. I wasn't allowed near the socials. So. <laughs> For the best. Top day-to-day goal reaction. The winner was, with 47%, shit. shit. <laughs> yeah. or Can't really a- argue with or that. More accurately, shit. shit. Did you see that? <laughs> like a traction engine. The next Twitter poll was Steve says Lynn loves Alan. Felicity disagrees. Sixty-six percent say it's fondness at best. I think that's fair. Yeah, I think that's I, right. I, I mean, we should probably chat about the documentary in a minute, but I thought that was really interesting that you had that brilliant juxtaposition where Steve thinks one thing about the characters mm. and Felicity thinks the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. And then we asked the question, what's the worst thing you have ever done at a funeral? <laughs> um, so Lottie Lamshank. Oh, hello, hello again. Our Monopoly creator. Um, see, she said she fell asleep at a wake. Ironic. Uh, <laughs> it, in, in my defence, I was on a lot of medication. Everyone was very kind about it. Yeah. Um, it's a ne- nice story, isn't it? Lovely story. Nick's lovely story. Uh, next up is Fashion Worked. Uh, I assume not their real name, but they write, I laughed at someone who turned up in a St. John's ambulance uniform and tried to act like it was a military funeral. Even got a salute. Good work, fashion. Uh, Sounds a bit like something Michael would do as well, wouldn't yeah. he? Turn up in his TA uniform. <laughs> And finally, hang on, hang on. Has Michael been in the TA? I don't think there's there's no evidence for that. (laughs) And finally, from Barbara Kirk, I laughed when my way was played at my uncle's funeral, but then everyone else did. (laughs) (laughs) Funny story. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Would you watch an Alan Partridge penned opera? And what do you think he would call it? Was another question that we put to you. And uh, I'm going to say these are the two best responses we got. Yeah. um, I, I. well, I don't know if this is a name. It's a ju- I'll just go with the Twitter handle. Be- <laughs> yeah. Reasel. <laughs> That's the one. The chocolate chew. <laughs> Reason. All wet chocolate. <laughs> um. <laughs> Sorry, Nick's just gone briefly mindless there. He wants again. to get a train, but yeah, he's going off on tangents. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, writes, lo- opera classic. <laughs> oh, dear. Like classic house. <laughs> it's like classic house, but classic opera. And then Kenny Ramsey says... Madam Butter My Arse. Oh, I really that like is that. Brilliant. That, is, that is absolutely brilliant. I was yep. very pleased when I saw that response yep. rolling on on the Twitters. Lovely stuff. Um, do you want to spend a couple of moments just chatting about the documentary, what we thought about it? I would love to. Yep. Um, Let's go. It was. I thought it was... Uh, they got all the, all the big names back, which was really nice. Mm-hmm. Even, even yeah. Sally Phillips and, and everyone, if only to prove that she was actually acting and not just laughing. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a, you know what? It's funny. I hadn't really noticed that there's pretty much a moment in nearly every single episode where she turns away and laughs. Yeah. So I, in my mind, it happened once or twice. Like but a there silent so many instances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there were a couple of revelations in there that I didn't already know. I would say mm-hmm. it, was, it was fairly light on massive brand new information yeah. wasn't it? it was more a celebration of things you already know yeah. it was dvd extras with clips packaged together in an hour-long bbc friendly 
sound bite that stretched over an hour. I mean, I really enjoyed the stuff like the the, the behind the scenes candid footage of yeah. them rehearsing back in the day. Yeah, the rehearsal stuff was yeah, great because it hadn't been seen. Yeah, before. I yeah. would as obviously uh, partridge aficionados and experts. We are. Yes, hello. Um, yeah. We've covered a lot of stuff that was featured in the documentary, so I would like to have seen more of that personally. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think it's it's a bit of a shame. I think how it was initially kind of announced that I think the expectation was there was going to be more behind mm. the scenes footage, and I guess you know these things they do go through a lot of edits before the yeah. final show. So you know. I can imagine a sort of thing. They probably had like a two-hour program. They had to chop down to like fifty-eight minutes or something. But I think what I, what's been interesting, I think, through our socials, I think we've been, had a lot of messages from people. They've kind of re-engaged with Alan as a character mm. because they've had that kind of solid hour to kind of reacquaint themselves with all these kind of classic moments. And I think also it's it worked. Obviously, it works quite well. It's almost like a beginner's guide to Alan because they have covered every step. And obviously, we've covered it much more in depth over forty episodes. So uh, why not go back to the start if you're joining us now? You say that though. One thing notable by its absence, because uh, perhaps it didn't fit the narrative of the show, is there's absolutely no mention of knowing me, knowing you. Um, what they do is they get up to the end of knowing me, knowing you, where he obviously shoots Forbes McAllister, and then for the purposes of the documentary, they then say, "Or oh, we had to work out how we were going to get him back." After that, well, I think ignoring the, the fact that they did a whole special that that they didn't make any reference to. Well, you have the you have the clip of him punching hairs, which mm. was in it. Yeah, but they kind of they, but they don't really they sort of made that it, yeah. look like yeah. it was part of an earlier episode. Yeah, that's true. Um, and a, I guess they don't talk about the books either. But I guess mm, that's very hard to talk to about do. on a TV show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. easy to talk about on a podcast over eight episodes, though. Fortunately for us, yeah, <laughs> I would have just liked a little, just one little clip at the end of maybe like Bill Oddie like popping up and going, "I don't really know why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> I really shouldn't be here." You know, there's a couple of uh, a couple of revelations in there. I think one is that um, obviously Patrick Marber left as one of the writers mm. uh, before I'm Alan Partridge, and, yeah. and it turns out they really didn't like it. Uh, mm. I'm Alan yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, like they said, he basically didn't give his approval. Yeah, yeah. but then they went ahead and did it anyway. So. Yeah, but, but they, they, there was, it, it's, it's certainly funny to hear them kind of being quite insecure about whether or not it's yeah. funny, whether or not it works. When we, it's now just given that it's a comedy gold. Basically, I still yeah. think it's such a shame that Marble left the whole thing because yeah. he is a he's a brilliant comedic actor, and I think he is a loss to Partridge. Uh, as a whole, I think, from a writing perspective See, and a performance I mean, perspective. I, I, I kind of agree, but then I also think if you look at what the Gibbons brothers have done with it, like, Alan is... Alan has evolved, not revolved. Oh, uh, He's evolved, I, not I de- revolved. I definitely think you um, need a fresh pair of eyes in yeah, 2017 yeah. Or, when, or 2010 or whenever they started. But Marble left relatively early in the context yes, did, of yeah. Alan, yeah, so yeah, I yeah. would have loved to have seen him carry on. I would love to have seen him in Iron Man and Partridge. I mean, you might have got a bit more consistency. I mean, I, we've kind of talked about this over previous episodes, but I, I still think for me, like, I'm Alan Partridge Series 1 is probably the classic kind of mm. definitive sitcom series. I just think I'm Alan Partridge Series 2 is so much more of a caricature and he's... He, 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 I think Armando actually described him as more grotesque. Uber, because uber real, isn't it? Yeah, something mm. like that. Because it's because because it becomes so slapstick and so yeah. over the top. And, I, and some when, of it works and some of it yeah, maybe not so much. Yeah, and I think maybe, maybe Marble would have helped rein, rein that in a bit more. I don't yeah. know, because you still have those kind of over-the-top slapstick moments in Knowing Me, Knowing You, but they kind of, they just feel a bit more suited to the character and the plot development. And obviously he wanted to go on and be a proper, serious uh, playwright. He which was, he I think he, he was writing <laughs> closer. He was writing closer at yeah, the time, which yeah. obviously went on to be massive. But um, yeah, I, I think also personally, I, I'd actually, it was great to see some of that rehearsal footage, yeah. but I'd love to see some actual behind-the-scenes footage of the actual shows being made as well. That would be quite interesting to see. And particularly, you know, when we were chatting, chatting to Simon Greenall a few months ago and he's telling us about all these brilliant scenes that never made it. And, uh, like, I'd wonder, were those things actually filmed and never made the cut? Like, are there, I, are there mm, extra scenes on the cutting room floor somewhere? I get the impression that a lot of that stuff, especially the things Simon mentioned, were things that were kind of, you know, 
knocked around a rehearsal before filming was mm, going on. Yeah. I don't get the impression that there is a lot on the cutting room floor because mm. most of it is filmed in front of a live audience. So they only yeah. had mm. people for a very finite amount of time. Um, so there okay. wasn't, they didn't have days to kind of redo stuff. They would, I think they would do one and or there two are, takes. And, and I that's guess it. there are extra scenes on the DVDs and, and what have you. So. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I also think that maybe the footage, if there is any that exists, it probably isn't that interesting or engaging yeah, because quite a lot of people it. say, from listening to the interviews and what people are saying about the filming process, it wasn't a particularly easy process. It wasn't a particularly no. enjoyable experience. It was quite fraught. There were a lot of rewrites and it was on the go. So, uh, a bit a lot of writing being done on set and stuff like that. So it probably wasn't a particularly yeah. fun environment. Guess, so that footage wouldn't be great. That seems to be quite consistent. Yeah. Kind of mm. yeah. Ac- across... Maybe I mean with the with Naomi knowing you with with the chat show kind of some of that was improvising on the fly because he had an earpiece and mm. stuff and then you've got you've basically got on the set writing for I'm Alan Partridge series two at the least yeah and you've got essentially down to the wire writing for the film as well yep. so that is quite interesting theme, it's yeah. this comic creation that we love but so much of it has been written basically off the cuff yeah. in a panic on a set yep. yeah. before cameras about to roll um, another revelation for me and I'm surprised they actually uh, spent time talking about this in a, in a fairly short documentary to sum up 25 years is that Steve Coogan was, was very keen on the, the Foster's sponsored Mid-Morning Matters comeback oh, yeah. being quite muted not being advertised mm. which is I mean I, I can sort of understand his reasoning but you're coming back with a character that beloved after you know a, a fair few years he's been away for what eight years at this point it's it's like someone trying to come back and make a low-key Star Wars film you know like, like <laughs> every, yeah. it, it, it doesn't matter whether you want it to be muted or not the return of Alan Partridge is gonna spread I think I agree with Steve I think it's fair enough I think there's probably a little bit of concern from his point of view and the writer's point of view that at this point remember Alan had been away for quite a long time what's been is it about eight years? But eight or nine years. Apart, did he do some specials? Like comic relief specials? Few comic relief, but not a proper series. Hadn't yeah. been on television or out there in the public eye in any way, shape, or mm. form. So it's probably a little bit of nervousness about how this was going to go down and whether it would be received as well. Because you know, people move on, people's tastes change, etc. So you know, it might not have gone down as well as they'd hoped. Uh, that was a possibility. But, I mean, his thing was about like, oh, I didn't want it to be on billboards and stuff. But it's like, mate, you've just done a massive deal with Foster's to launch one of the most famous co- uh, comedy. But you can still put it out UK. on YouTube and sort of like mm. gently seed it out without putting loads of money behind it because I think they might have been concerned that it might not have gone down well. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in two minds about it because I think there probably is a large proportion of the of the audience post Iron Man and Partridge that literally wouldn't know about it unless you put it on a billboard. They're not going to go hunting it out. The other thing that I suppose true, yeah. there mm-hmm. is is how much promo should be put behind what's basically a 15 minute web series. You know, it's not... That's being sponsored by a booze company well yeah yeah and i think there is maybe just another way you can look at it which is almost like you can kind of call bullshit on it and it's got is, is that coogan just it's a bit of a defense mechanism i never wanted it to be massive because of, i mean the thing is what's interesting is those episodes they're not online anymore yeah particularly not in any official sky own them now right uh yeah so like in in terms of you can't go on and say oh what were the views when that was on the foster channel but he doesn't need to do that he didn't need to say that at all he didn't need to say that in the documentary mm. because you know they've been relatively well received and and you know done pretty well but i, but I think I, I i mean when you when you move it on from fosters onto sky obviously the viewing figures having it on Sky Atlantic compared to BBC Two. And we have and some information on viewing figures we'll coming up. That, yeah, uh, We'll get into that in the, over the coming weeks. But 
I mean, obviously, they're not going to be comparable. Mm. So that is like the limitations of the of the station that's broadcasting it. So again, I just wonder, is that kind of like... Coogan kind of can tee up a defence of the viewing figures not being what Partridge was in the 90s and early 2000s right. because the broadcast is different. But mm. you can also wrap it up by saying, well, I didn't want it to be big anyway. Yeah. Be but the industry has changed so much. But and also the way people consume yeah. TV has changed so much in that yeah. since... I just did it for me. And if anyone likes it, that's a bonus. Oh, yeah, yeah. that classic, classic line. Yeah. There we go. Um, anyway, yeah, that was kind of... Uh, I think that's the summary of all of our thoughts on, on the documentary. But uh, it was really enjoyable uh, trip down memory lane. Hold on a sec. Jed, did you watch it? No. <laughs> uh, Jed. Jed. <laughs> um, we're nearly at the end of this uh, this feedback roundup 2017 look back, 2018 look forward episode. Um, but just one more thing. Shannon Hay got in touch on Facebook to say, good morning. Uh, it's not morning right now. In, <laughs> not in, morning in, when they sent it, I guess. In, inaccurate. Yeah. Um, I've done a little Alan Partridge mashup. I'd be most grateful uh, if you shared it on your page. Well, we'll go one better and perhaps play a little bit of it to uh, see us out of this episode thank you for sending it in Shannon yeah um, so that's pretty much it for this episode join us next week when we're going to be diving back into mid-morning matters with episode 2 of series 1 yep. um, you can get in touch with us thepartridgepod at gmail.com facebook.com slash thepartridgepod twitter.com slash thepartridgepod and instagram is at monkey tennis pod and just quickly I want to add if you're new to listening to the uh, monkey tennis podcast if you're unsure why we're going into episode 2 of mid morning matters <laughs> probably is worth explaining yeah <laughs> we actually covered mid morning matters episode 1 at a uh, live special in front of an intimate audience at Warner Music HQ in London so if you want to uh, listen to episode 1 just go Go back a few episodes and you'll find it in your feed. Uh, so that's it. Thanks to uh, all of you for listening. Thanks so much to all the people who've got in touch, especially those who've uh, tweets and Facebook yeah, posts thank you and very emails much. we've read out. Yeah, um, really good stuff. And uh, yes, we'll uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, from all of us at Monkey Tennis, thanks and goodbye. 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 Uh, Jed, I'm feeling generous. Would you like to close out the episode with a bonus word? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Thank you very much for being this morning's farmer. Caroline, line four, hello. Hello, Alan. Hello. Hello, yeah, have you got a brain or is your head just full of shit? Okay, Mike from Polgrave, are you there, sir? Oh, you ignorant. Whoosh! Shoestring, Taggart, Spender, Bergerac, Morse, Scum, Subhuman Scum. Tossa. Bastard. What? Cockpit. Long Stanton Spice Museum. What? One aggressive body scrub. Roll on the thighs of the virgin. Ooh. The queen is dead. Lady shapes. Been working like a Japanese prisoner of war. Hard work, no, but uh, there's no effect. The eagle has landed. 20 foot high chickens. Fanny. 40 year old scorcher. They're not gay. Tell me about the lady boys. Put them a bloody blow. Inner city sumo. Monkey tennis. Partridge amongst the pigeons. I'll just speak over. Aha! What I got into? Then the one dear. You know, the from broken homes. What? Cock to you get. Oh, governor. Jill will be sleeping with me tonight. Ooh. 12 inches. Cock piss party. Oh, God. That's bang out of order. Because I'm a bloody bloke. Batter. It flashed on the first yank. Oosh. Oosh. Oh, fuck off. I don't actually agree with that. Fascinating creatures, though. Oh, forget it. Oh, Jurassic Park. Come and see bitter. Inner City Sumo. Monkey Tennis? That's the small talk. Now let's get down to business. I'm leaving you, you cow! Bang! Bang! Please! Fuck off. I'm really scared. You daft racist. Scum. Bastard. Please! Stop telling me what to do! Ruddy hell. Fuck off. Aha! Because 
I'm a bloody bloke. Ooh. Jet! Back back. Watchdog. Awesome. Can we talk about me? Monkey Tennis is a post-pop podcast produced by Jed Shepard. If you're interested in podcasts about Red Dwarf, X-Files, what to watch on Netflix, or TV pilot episodes pitched against one another, find them at postpoppodcast.com. Our artwork is by Finn McLean, and you can find his website at finn.design. The theme is an excerpt from Galloping Home by Dennis King. Thanks for listening. Monkey tennis? Well, uh, this is great banter. Ha 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 ha. Monkey tennis? Radical. Awesome. Mega. Are you on an E? Monkey tennis? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm spinning plates here, mate, I'll be honest. Monkey tennis? There have been times when I've been more uh, rubbery than turtle. Monkey tennis? Tits bits. Tit, tit bits. Uh, yes, 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 and yes. It's just an idiom. You're an idiot. Ooh, that's mustard. Monkey tennis? Sustaining and maintaining our core listenership in an increasingly fragmented marketplace. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.